This is God's word. Luke 2, 8 through 11. And in the same region there were shepherds out in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were filled with great fear. And the angel said to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. For many of our fellow citizens who sit in darkness, the Christmas story is about all they know about the Bible, about Christianity. And so often they only understand correctly the first Christmas fact of the birth of Jesus, but they fail to correctly understand the Christian message that's in the first Christmas. Uh, The mere fact that a baby was born on the first Christmas is not the entirety of the first Christmas message. The first Christmas message is that this baby came in order to remove joylessness and the misery of sin and to replace it with forgiveness and genuine rejoicing that nothing else can provide. Or another way to say it, the Uh, Bulletin has the main point, the first Christmas caused great joy for the shepherds. We'll see first great fear, verses 8 and 9, then great joy, verse 10, and then the great Savior in verse 11. So as a reminder, verses 1 through 7 cover Jesus being born in Bethlehem. So our location is Bethlehem. And then as we pick up our story now in verse 8, nearby, we read this, in the same region, so that would be the region around Bethlehem. In the same region, there were shepherds out in the fields, keeping watch over their flock by night. And then verse 9, and an angel of the Lord appeared to them. Stop. An angel of the Lord appeared to them? Let's think that through for a moment. This comes across as so familiar, and yet we're not absorbing what's being said here. Notice that God's angel didn't come to the rulers. We covered this morning the the rulers, Caesar Augustus or Quirinius, governor of Syria. The angels didn't appear to them. The angel didn't appear to any other important dignitaries. In fact, the angel didn't even appear to the priests, to the scribes, to the Pharisees or other religious officials. As you might expect, since this is a very religious and spiritual matter, the fact of the announcement they're about to make. But that's not where the angels appeared. The angel appeared to shepherds, tending flocks, what we might call the night shift, just regular shepherds. James 2 verse 5 says, has not God chosen those who are poor in the world to be rich in faith and heirs of the kingdom which God has promised to those who love him, James 2 5. In other words, uh, God's message was sent to the shepherds on the night Christ was born quite intentionally. Because Christ came for regular people. Uh, The spiritual truth of God's kingdom is often given to the common person and not to the greatest and most privileged and most educated people of the world. The coming of Jesus brought great joy to common working people, such as these shepherds. Just think through their evening. They had been out there before. They had been out there for a long time hour after hour of their shift, (laughs) about the same thing happens through the night. Just the same sounds, the same sights, working together to keep the sheep from killing themselves. 
whatever they were hearing all through the night while keeping guard over the sheep, whatever they were seeing while keeping guard over the sheep, largely we could assume it was rather quiet. Some noises that sheep might make when they squawk at one another or they bump into something. The next moment, all of a sudden, and that's the verb that carries that suddenness nature to it, so if your translation of the Bible says suddenly, that's good translation, all of a sudden something happened. It happened. An angel of the Lord, bright, holy, visible to all of them, appeared. It wasn't as if they saw something off in the distance and it looked rather bright and it kept getting closer and closer and eventually he said, I've never seen one of those before. Have you seen one of those before? I wonder what that is. No, none of this preparation for it to come. It just appeared. There's an angel in all of its brilliance and started speaking. So what was formerly quiet now has words from this being piercing into the night. Heavenly brightness flashed all around the angel, we're told in verse 9. Now joy was their second reaction. (laughs) We'll get to that. What was their first reaction? The same reaction we get all across the Bible when an angel appears to human beings, they're all scared to death. Great fear is the words here in verse 9. I'll read this. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, around the angels, right? And they were filled with great fear. Great fear. So somehow they went from great fear to great joy. How's that? By coming to know the one who's coming. How did they come to know him? By faith. Well, how did they have knowledge of this one in whom they could place their faith? Well, the angel told them. That brings us to our second point, great joy. Verse 10, the angel said to them, Do not fear, for behold, I bring good news to you, plural, to all of you shepherds, of great joy, which will be for all the people. Now, why did the angel appear on that first Christmas night? Angels always come with a message. The word angel literally means messenger. So the reason that the angel appeared that night is to bring a message. Okay, what message? What, what did the angel say? In verse 10, the angel brought good news to you, to the shepherds, of great joy. The news was that God was now taking action to save his people from their predicament. <laughs> the predicament of sin and misery and joylessness and certain death. Instead, God would meet all those needs of his people. God was now active and on the move and presenting the solution for all those problems. And not only was God at work in general in all of redemptive history and salvation in principial form, but God was bringing about in real time with specific actions the accomplishment of that work that would be an accomplishment once for all and it was beginning that very night. God's salvation is being offered through the actual son of Israel, a Jewish boy located that very moment, that very night, nearby in the town of David, near where those shepherds were watching sheep out in the fields. So that very night, in that very town, the town of Bethlehem, the town of David, God, as it were, through his angel, couldn't keep silent. 
about the fact that this important event was now being launched in real time. Great joy is the only proper response the angels say to the shepherds. Not fear, not great fear. We might think of common people, sinners, thinking about God appearing, either through his messenger or God himself in the form of a baby, the God himself coming, the holy God coming to sinners. They might shake in fear. A proper response to the holy God coming in judgment is fear. That's, they're saying, not fear. Do not be afraid. It's not the proper response. Why? Because salvation is being offered. Good news is being given to you. Great joy is the response for all people because salvation is coming, which brings us to our third point, the great Savior. From great fear to great joy because of the great Savior. Now here, verse 11, so brief. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. Did you know that in the Gospels, the, what we call the synoptic Gospels, not John, but the three, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John together, those three Gospels? Listen to me. In all three of those Gospels, Matthew, Mark, and Luke, the only time that Jesus is called by this word Savior is right here in this verse. In all of Matthew, Mark, and Luke, the only time that Jesus is referred to as Savior is in this verse. Now, don't let that alarm you as if, is he really our Savior? Of course he's our Savior. It only has to be said once, and it's said all across Paul's writings, and certainly it's true. And tucked within the very name Jesus is the word Savior, because the name Jesus means he will save his people from their sins, Matthew 1.21. So every time you hear the word Jesus, you can see the word hear the word Savior, but it's interesting to note that only here does the term appear by one of the authors. You might wonder why that is. I think it's because the angel was not to reveal the name to the shepherds. It was the angel to reveal the name to the parents so that the parents could name the child Jesus. So rather than naming, using the name Jesus here, he says, Savior, unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. It's not until later that we are told that the parents named him Jesus. Yet the angel places such great emphasis on this fact that he's Savior. A Savior is born. A Savior because we need saving. Because we're dead in our sins. The Savior has become man because that's what's necessary for the salvation to take place. And what does it mean that he who is God became man in order to become our Savior? It means that he understands. He understands our propensity to feel like a shepherd, <laughs> to feel left out, to feel unimportant. Just another shift out in the middle of the night, watching these sheep for some coin. Not the king, not the queen, not the prime minister, not the bigwigs in the city. Just out here, common people, pulling shifts, trying to deal with co-workers. Sometimes the common people working the night shift feel this way, and they ask themselves, do I have a Savior? Do I have any relationship to this God? Do I have anything to look forward to in meeting this God? Our Savior understands our role in this world. 
sometimes are feeling down. Our Savior understands our needs, our needs for comfort, because we know we've done and said wrong things. Our Savior knows our need for good news, our need for joy, because every time we think about meeting God, unless we've heard about this Savior, we think rather trembling and fearful thoughts about this God. How does this God understand us, might your coworkers say, or a person you find working a shift in the middle of the night? The good news of Christmas, the good news of the Christian, the good news of Scripture is that a Savior was born to us, us shift workers, that he took on a humanity like ours. He, he was born in Nowheresville, just like I was, born in Nowheresville. He spent his time working in faraway places, just like I do, working in faraway places. It makes him our Savior because he's capable of understanding us. He understands me. You know, if you have two pianos in the same room, and they're tuned well, tuned to pitch perfect, tuned to each other. And you have a pianist who goes to one piano, and there's nobody at the other piano. And the pianist strikes a chord on the one piano. If, if you could feel the other piano, it would also have the same chord somehow responding. Though no one's even over there. The one piano plays the chord, the other piano has a response. It's called sympathetic resonance. Because Jesus took on human flesh, and he was born in a stable. Jesus resonates when you feel like a nobody. He resonates when you feel like the world's night shift shepherd. He knows our weakness. He knows our need for comfort. He knows our need for good news and our need for the message of first Christmas joy. He sent the angel in order to say this to us. Unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior. He's a Savior. In addition to Savior, there's another title here in verse 11, Lord. He's David, uh, in the city of David, a Savior who is Christ the Lord. So you have three titles, Savior, Christ, and Lord. The title Lord is now applied to our Jesus. Not surprising because we, we're so familiar with Scripture and we, we pray that way and we, in so many other Bible passages, except that we should note where it's placed in the Gospel of Luke. So far in the Gospel of Luke, from its very start up until now, chapter 2, verse 11, Our author, Luke, has used the title Lord 20 times already. All of those 20 times, he's used them to refer to the God of Israel himself, Lord. After those 20 times, he now reaches this point in chapter 2, verse 11, in the voice of the angel who's speaking to the shepherd, and he says this, Unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ, the Lord. It's inescapable to any reader who has been focused on the Lord refers to the Lord God of Israel, the divine, 
is now using that exact title to refer to this one who is being born to you that day, today, this day, this night. He's born, the Lord himself. The title, Lord, indicates there's only one. There's no plurality of co-lords. He's one of various lords. No, none of that. He's the Lord. And it squares with our now-developed doctrine that we have one God in three persons. And so, two quick examples of where this term Lord had been used till now applied to the baby Jesus. Example one, it was applied in Luke 1 verse 16 to Zechariah. Many of the people of Israel, he bring back to the Lord their God. His role as a priest would be to bring people back to the Lord their God. Second quick example was hinted at when Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit in Luke 1, 42 to 43, when in a loud voice she exclaimed, Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the child you will bear. But why am I so favored that the mother of my Lord should come to me? She recognized it was the mother of my Lord, even the Lord Jesus Christ. So now here the angel expressly states in chapter 2.11, the good news is that the one who's been born to you is Christ the Lord. That's quite an announcement. The Savior and the Christ, the anointed one, and the Lord. The Lord God of Israel had arrived that very night as a baby boy, and he is himself God come in the flesh. So what have we seen? The first Christmas caused great joy for the shepherds who had started out with great fear, moved to great joy, because of a great Savior. And one application to us is this, the fact that this baby had come in order to remove misery and fear and to replace it with joy is the first Christmas message. You might realize that uh, very small children sometimes have a fear of loud noises and large objects. They grow into liking them. They like fire trucks and airplanes and large things. But initially, when they're very young and very small, they have an innate fear of loud noises and large items. But if that young child who used to fear loud, noisy trucks would come to learn that his daddy drives one of those loud, noisy trucks, well, then everything changes. What used to be this fearful thing that makes him hide behind the couch now makes him run to the door and look to see if daddy might be coming in that large truck down the road closer and closer. His reaction changes from fear to joy. How's that? By knowing that daddy is in the truck. Daddy's coming home. The child has gone from great fear to great joy at the coming of the truck. You think about God coming. That's what Christmas literally means, Christ's coming that God himself is sending his son, the Lord Jesus. Is, is he coming in judgment? Because we're all sinners, and if that's all it is, then we're, we're sunk. And what are your co-workers thinking? What are your neighbors thinking? What are your relatives who don't hardly understand anything about your Bible? What are they thinking when we say that God is coming? If, if they're thinking judgment then they ought to have a very fearful reaction, much like the little child with a large, noisy truck. But if they've been clued in to what the angel said here, I have good news, great joy for you. God is coming. 
what they've come to realize is that God has changed to be their savior instead of their judge. Our fellow citizens who don't understand these things fear the coming of God to end the world or else they fear their own end to go and meet their creator God, their death. The angel said to the first Christmas message is not a message of fear for sinners. Sinning uh, shepherds out there, it's not a message of fear for you. How is that? Why not? Because Jesus came to remove our sins. And with our sins removed, we need not fear meeting the holy God. And this truth is found in so many of our Christmas carols, tidings of comfort and joy. Joy to the world, the Lord has come. Joy to the earth, the Savior reigns. How great our joy. How great our joy. Joy, joy, joy. Joy, joy, joy. How do you get to that joy if you don't have the message of the washing of our sins? Joy over what? Joy that the baby who arrived the first Christmas was the arrival of our Savior for the cleansing of our sins. We have a Savior. Everything's going to be all right. We have a Savior. Everything's going to be all right. We have no need of fearing God's coming or his actions before he comes. First Christmas joy remains our joy every day, throughout the year, and forever. Fear not, we have good news of great joy. Joy, joy, joy. Later in Luke 2 here, verse 15, let me read this. When the angels went away from them, from the shepherds, into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Whoa, that was whack. Did that what they said? No. <laughs> what did the shepherds say to one another? What would you say if you had this appearance of angels to you to bring you a good news message? And then the angels went away. It was all over now. What do you say to your fellow shepherds? Listen to what they actually said. Let us go over to Bethlehem to see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. And they went in haste and found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in a manger. And the shepherds returned, verse 20 says, glorifying and praising God for all that they had heard and seen as it had been told them. Luke 2.20. Joy, joy, joy. They returned glorifying and praising. They couldn't stop praising God. They couldn't stop their joy. And you say, well, what, what about you? What if your joy is gone this Christmas so far? I'm so glad that I get to tell you there's good news for you. If your joy is gone, ask Jesus to replenish your joy. It's the whole reason he came. If you don't have joy, you're not doing Christmas right. You're not doing it right. Hebrews 4.15, we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who in every respect has been tempted as we are yet without sin. Let us then with confidence... Draw near to the throne of grace that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. If your joy is gone, ask Jesus. Number one, he understands. 
Number two, he's filled with compassion. Number three, he has some good news for you of great joy to you, for you, the whole reason he came. Let's pray. Father, how we thank you for the Lord Jesus Christ who has come. We thank